All right, today's guest is Jeff Applebaum. He's a great comedian, had a great talk, and he's such a good guy. Some people, you can tell they're a good guy just by looking at them. They got some of that charisma in their face and the way they look and their candor. It's like, yeah, this guy's a real good guy. And uh, lo and behold, we got into chatting it up, and yeah, he is a great guy. Um, So we had a very interesting conversation. I hope uh, you dig it. I'm sure you will. Uh, He has a... A lot of self-reflective stuff to say that I think most comedians can definitely relate to. And uh, in some ways, it was refreshing to hear that from, from somebody like him. It was a great conversation. And uh, before we get there, i got to remind you of someone. Uh, do you remember back our guest? I had a guest. He was an artist named Tulio Flores you know, from San Jose. Well... If you haven't heard our conversation of that episode, check it out because he has a show coming up. That's right. Julio Flores, if you check out his stuff, you know that you're in for an experience because this guy does much more than just paintings. This guy does everything. And I mean everything. And he does it well. And he has an art gallery coming up on Saturday, April 30th at 7 p.m. at San Jose, California, at this place called Aziel Design. That's A S I E L Design, located at 245 McEvoy Street. That's M C E V O Y Street, San Jose, California. It's by San Carlos. Check it out. It is free. And uh, I, when he came to do the podcast session with me, he had these mannequins <laughs> at the bed of his truck. I was like, oh my god, Like that's so interesting, just driving around with mannequins in the back of his truck. And he was telling me that he was preparing for a art gallery that was coming up. And you know what, I'm pretty sure this one's it. So I'm definitely going to go check it out, because I'm curious to see what, how he converted these mannequins. And I hope you can too. And again, if you're like, who the hell is Tulio, Tulio Flores, you should know. All right, Go back to our uh, jmspodcast.com, check out the episodes. And uh, check out our, my conversation with Tulio Flores. It was a really good one. Uh, it was so good. I had people texting me that they really liked that episode. So I think if you haven't heard it by now, uh, I definitely recommend you go check it out. Yeah. Uh, a couple announcements. Next week, I will not have a podcast episode. I'll be too busy. I got a four-day uh, film shoot uh, I got to go take care of at the university. And uh, it's going to take up, like, pretty much my entire day, you know. A proper film shoot should take up an entire day, at least 12 hours. So, uh, just giving a heads up. So, But I will, hopefully, by then, provide some content, some new content you can check out at the website, jmspodcast.com. But other than that, I'm going to give you some more updates if you follow JMS Podcast at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'll be posting stuff up on there. And, um, yeah, without much further ado, let's, let's go to our conversation with comedian Jeff Applebaum. But, Jeff Applebaum, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Jorge Martin Sanchez. Yeah. Did I okay. say that right? <laughs> you did, actually. Jorge Martin Sanchez. <laughs> okay. Actually, a lot of people don't know that. Although a lot of stuff I put online, I put the M. Nobody even recognizes it. Martin? The Martin. No, they just say Jorge Sanchez. 
is Jorge Martin. It's 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 in there, so that means there's a nice ring, there's a nice nice flow to Jorge Martin. Well, I, I think that's a great thing about having a a, a middle name, mm-hmm. right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it gives people a minute to think about your name. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, he has a third name in there. Do, he, do you have a third name? I have a middle name. A middle name? That they say third name. I'm so sorry. Third, third name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's usually you hear the middle name when you, your your parents were mad at you when you're growing up. You know, uh-huh. Jorge Martin, come here now. You know, something like that. What's what's your middle name? Paul. Paul. So it's Jeffrey Paul. Jeffrey Paul. Yeah. Applebaum. Applebaum. Uh, and I've I've. You're not from here, are you? No. No. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being from here, by the way. Oh, yeah. I live here now. Been out here almost 26 years, and I grew. We're, we're recording. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> so I, I was born in Brooklyn, right where Bernie Sanders was born, and it should be for everybody. Um, so I was born in Brooklyn, and I, at two years old, we moved to Queens. I lived in Queens, a place called Laurelton, Queens. I was uh, one of very few white families in the neighborhood, so that's where I learned to dance. I'm kidding. Hmm. Um, and then we moved out to when I was thirteen. We moved out to Long Island, a place called Syosset. So that's a Long Island. I went to high school there. Graduated that's high school with Judd Apatow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Next to me. Yeah. Well, a lot of fine people. It, it seems like you've grown up in mostly uh, blue-collar areas. Uh, I mean, they're always working-class areas. Long Island, I mean, is, is uh, there's different parts of everywhere. Right. New York is very different now. Like, the city itself is, I, I want to say it's safer now. New York City, my son is there now in school, which is great to go back. But I never spent a lot of time in Manhattan when I was a kid. It just wasn't as safe to go up there as when you were a kid alone. And when I was 18, I was I went off to Boston to, to college. But, um, but yeah, a lot of time there. And then in Long Island, and then came out here. Then I was in Boston for school for five years, and then I came out here in 1990. I think that's great because all the spots you mentioned that you lived in are spots that I would yeah. be interested in. Yeah, great. Or, great or, 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 or when I hear people will say they're from there, I'm like, oh, all right, that's cool. But like yeah. when I hear people say I'm from New York, what part of New York? The yeah. Upper East Side. Oh, fuck, go fuck yourself. You know, exactly. I don't know. Exactly. I guess that's a term of endearment. That's like you say, hey, <laughs> they love Ted Cruz up there. Did you? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's they like do. You saw that take the fu train. <laughs> in his Donald and his New York values. Why don't you just say it, Jew? He's not a Jew, but the values is what he's trying to say. I get it. Okay. We get it. And w- what did your parents do? My dad was um, was the payroll benefits manager at the Museum of Natural History. Wow. Yeah, hey. so he, used to say, he worked in the Museum of Natural History for almost 30 years. So I, people said, what do you do? He dusted the dinosaur bones. Really? Yeah, somebody's got to do it. So we used to go up to the museum all the time when we were kids. It's a great museum. So if you saw Night at the Museum, it's based on that museum. Right. But it's just a famous museum, all the dinosaur bones. It's and, an iconic museum. It's an iconic museum. So... Uh, they have all the T-Rex and all the dinosaur statues, and, and what happened is, um, they actually once you once you uh, you know excavate and take the bones out of the earth that have been there for millions of years, now they're exposed to the elements. They actually start to dry out and crack and and and, and become very brittle. So period, piece by piece, the the museum would replace sections of it with either plaster or something. And right. I remember my dad brought home a piece of dinosaur bone. Like we had like a real time, like wow, and then like my brother threw it at me, I ducked, it hit the wall, it cracked. I'm like, this thing lasts five million years, it comes to my house, it's broken and and, and, and evil. Yeah. So <laughs> well, that's great. What are you gonna do? I, I, and my mom was was for the most part a a uh, you know, stay at home mom and just a wonderful, wonderful, loving woman that we that passed just about two years ago out here. So we were we still think about her every day. It seems like you since you your father worked in a museum. Yeah. You, you were introduced to a, a cultural 
no- sense of knowledge yeah. from a young age. Well, yeah, not just from the museum. Yeah, the uh, we went. Well, I remember we, we were at the museum once, and Margaret Mead, who um, was a very famous anthropologist, archaeo anthropologist more than an archaeologist. So we're in the elevator with her. My brothers and I looked at her and I said, "What species is he?" So, but that's. For those who are Margaret Mead fans, but, <laughs> oh, no. um, I don't know where he came from. <laughs> Did he really say that in front of her? Why not? Yeah, of course. Oh, why not? But so my parents were very much. I mean, that's that's when you have that that uh, the New York Jews that came. You know, parents their grand their parents came from Eastern Europe, very focused on education, very much into culture. My mother was an opera singer. Had won. Hey. Yeah, had won scholarships from Tuscanini from the NBC Orchestra, and a very, and she was a wonderful opera singer. Okay. But you know, stopped that to have a family at some point, but. We were always going to theater and plays and, and, and opera and, and everything and, and music and art. And that's that's just a part of the culture and the upbringing in New York City. We would go to the Apollo Theater in the 70s when it was not safe to go to the Apollo Theater as a cracker. Um, and we'd go see the Dance Theater of Harlem, Arthur Mitchell. And I right. remember I had my uh, Instamatic 126 camera with the little flash bulb, one-shot flash bulbs. And right. I, I took a picture of the dancers and... He was on stage explaining things. He goes, please, no flashes while they're dancing. And then everybody looked at me and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but that, that the Apollo Theater, you know, A Night at the Apollo, what you see on TV now, they, right. it's been, everything's been redone. And, and, and Harlem is now, they call it North Manhattan, Noma. Mm-hmm. But it was, there was some, it was, you know, it's at 125th in Amsterdam, but it was a lot of different times in. But uh, we'd go up there and all sorts of culture. We'd be, you know, we'd be in music and singing and all that. And that's just something that, that we try to make sure we expose our kids to as much as we can here. And you don't always get a chance to. I feel it's a little more difficult because yeah. back in those days, you didn't have the internet. No, we had I, no I, I mean, people say it's great. You can, People from the other side of the world, you can see pictures and yeah. videos. But it's, uh, it's different when you're there in person in life and yeah. you actually touch something or you experience a moment. Absolutely. And I don't think, and that's something, like, it's easy to look at something on the screen and be like, oh, I learned something. As yeah. opposed to, like, actually showing up to the museum. Yeah, man. And seeing those bones and see yeah, how big they the are. Yeah, and the planetarium and all yeah. the space. And the- I, I guess it, it gives us a better sense of scope. Yeah, and perspective. Absolutely right. But do you seem you don't see family sitting at a table back then with everybody had an etch a sketch. You know, nobody was talking right. to each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. now you like see family sit down and my daughters. I said, put that tablet away. Yes, that no now. And it's Italian. I got to play. No, stop. Let's talk to each other. We're here, and it's it's what's well, a culture? Just anywhere we go, we all know this. Even as, as comedians, at shows and everything, you just look around in a restaurant or a coffee shop or even at a show. You know, half the audience or half the people at a restaurant, couples out on a date are sitting there all looking at their, oh, let me check this Twitter feed or whatever, and it's it's insane. Which, it's hard. I'm guilty of it at times. Oh, we all are, yeah. You know, as much as I try to, you know, not use it as much when I'm with my gal, Yeah. which is why I'm a little flustered. I had to drive to San Francisco this morning, mm. and that's why I'm like, oh, I've got to drive back fast. Oh, anyway, made uh, I made it. And ladies and gentlemen, for the record, he he observed uh, the speed limit because there were too many accidents already that he couldn't go fast. Exactly. I was forced to, to slow forced. down. Uh, it's during sex when you're using the phone and texting that really bothers her. You know, I haven't done that yet. I told my wife, honey, it's a how-to guide. Please let me. I, I can't see it. But You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, I remember I had an experience where I finished having sex a while ago. and um, Were you alone? Or? No, no, no. Okay. With my ex. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I should have put a, a setting. But with my ex, and we just finished, and I got a text, and I looked to answer the text, and she got really pissed at that. I was like, oh, that's interesting that she, she still got, you know. She wasn't finished, bro. I guess she wasn't. That, <laughs> I, that explains it. Oh, that was all my fault. 
Uh, Remember, the rule of thumb is... Yeah. Always I was finished. She wasn't finished. You got to make sure she finishes. Always finish second, bro. That's all I can exactly. say. <laughs> I'm married 21 years. That's all I'm going to say. All right. That's good. Yeah. Hey, so going back, though, you mentioned Apollo. Yeah. You grew up in the 70s in New York. Yeah. You were right up in there, man. You were right up in yeah. there. That's where... I'm an OG. Well... I think OJ original. It's cheer. amazing that you were involved in the arts and performance because in New York in the seventies, yeah. fucking rock and roll blew up. Yeah. The, the film industry blew up over there. Yeah. You know, uh, the house two two houses down actually blew up. No, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, actually, you're right. Man, there were riots going on at those times, right? Yeah. You're right. New York, especially the Bronx. Right. People yeah. thought it was uh, practically a third world country. Well, it's still no, not anymore. But it was the uh, yeah. I I actually pretended to be Puerto Rican just for survival reasons. How did that work? How you did, did you wear the? Tell me, my name Hefe, me I'm a Hefe, and then you just run fast. That's all. That's where humor comes in. You know, you use humor as a mechanism to distract the people trying to steal your money or your bus pass, and it, then it, uh, it, yeah, it works. Did did you use humor to disengage them? Yeah, absolutely disarm them. And because uh, the big thing was when we were in elementary school, so. It's funny, I was taking public transportation, the bus and maybe a few subway trains when I was eight years old by myself and on. And I'm thinking, I couldn't imagine a lot. I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 20-year-old now. And I couldn't imagine having my, same wife, by the way. I couldn't imagine having my, any of my kids at that age now taking a bus by themselves. God, that's just, but kids in New York or kids in the cities, you know, just do that. You know, and you... Yeah. You have a couple friends that you find out that are close-minded neighborhoods, and you, you kind of watch out for each other, and you just kind of walk up and down the streets. And the big thing was the younger kids, the elementary school kids, would get a bus pass because back then the bus was, I think, either 50, 50 cents. Now it's like two fifty. So so we'd uh, the bus pass would get you on either free or for a nickel based on how old you are. So the older kids would always try to steal your bus pass because then they could take the bus for free and all that stuff. And how many times were you a victim of that? couple times but usually not that many it would be you know i talk my way out of it or i try to avoid or act like i didn't hear anything or just <laughs> or run just like just walk hell. away from the Man, situation i was i was fast even with like 50 <laughs> pounds of math books on my back and it was never one-on-one -on -one either it was usually like several on one which is really courageous but um but it's all about you know you just got to keep your eyes open and what's happening Okay. Survive, yeah. Now, is it just you and your brother? I got two brothers. Two so, brothers. Are you, are you in the middle? or? I'm in the middle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Middle child. I'm yeah. in the middle too. I'm seeing, See? I'm interviewing a lot of comedians. There's a common trend that yeah. about 80 to 90% of them are the middle child. Yeah. Do, do you feel absolutely something? It's, it's, uh, we, we got less of mama's love and daddy's love. And then, um, and then we weren't the baby. So <laughs> we're looking for validation of our existence on stage. Exactly. Is that what it is? <coughs> it is. I mean, that's one of the things that drives us to do, to perform, at least to me is, um, I think it started in, in like, you know, junior, it started as a survival mechanism. Humor is just a natural form of a style of communication. You say that, but considering uh, the background of your mother yeah. and, and your father, yeah. I feel like you got some creative genes in you that were passed uh, down. Uh, it may have skipped. <laughs> do, do, do you feel like you you, this, you, you develop a sense of humor from your father, from your mother? Well, both of them. And and, and I think, um, you know, just we are who we are as a product of the environment we were around growing up. But but um, there was something about this humor was always a good communication vehicle. And in New York Jewish families or just families back then, you know, humor is also a survival mechanism. And you could laugh at a lot of the laugh through a lot of struggles growing up you don't have a lot of money you don't but that's never something we always had a lot of love and then 
you look at okay you got chase you got this and you can laugh, find some humor in it much later often um that helps you survive or like i said if i could if i could use my wit at the moment to talk my way out of getting mugged that would help or you make them laugh you got enough time to distract them so you could run right and then as you get older you realize you hit junior high school you go man for some reason, if, if, if I can make the girls laugh, they like me, no matter what I look like. It's amazing. Even with yeah. this Jufro at the time, right? <laughs> you, you had a full-on Jufro? Well, it, was, it was there, pretty oh, much man. there, the Jufro. That was just the style. Any pictures? Uh, somewhere. Find yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I don't think we had film back then, no. But, uh, and and, um, and then, then as you get older, there's something about, as you know, being on stage is something magical about, it's, it's almost like public validation. There's something about... Hey, here's an idea that I have. I'm just openly sharing it, and it, oh, it takes time to find your voices. I know a lot of folks say and feel the feel vulnerable and be able to feel comfortable to just be yourself on stage. That's an ongoing process that you constantly refine to get to the point where you just don't care. But you're not when you say you don't care. It doesn't mean like you don't care if you're hurting people. That's not the point. It's that you you you're confident in your thought process. You want to share it, and then all of a sudden you see that other people. It resonates with other people, and and that validation is magical. Like when you're on, maybe one day I'll feel it on stage, but the, you know when when you connect with an audience, it's that's that's the high, man. Right? Yeah. There. There's no drugs, nothing. I mean, that's, yeah. that's well, it's just well, incredible feeling. That's how a lot of people get into drugs. They're trying to recapture that. Absolutely. High. Or even performers, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like they're on stage. They're working one hour a day, and then they got their hype man and their their whole handlers around them that say, "Oh man, hey Jorge, you're the best man. Mejor, lo mejor, Jorge." You know, and you're around there, and and uh, you're not on stage, and all of a sudden, oh, how do I get this high? I do it with drugs and alcohol. For me, it was too expensive, so I just. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have budgetary issues as well. Exactly. With, with the Why don't you drink? I, I didn't have the money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and but, now that people, everybody, now you go to clubs, they offer you drinks. You're like, ah, I'm already developed my habit. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I'll eat. I will eat. Yeah. That's, but, but another thing that doesn't help, especially with comedy, because mm-hmm. unlike music or other stuff, you're given about 20 minutes to set. Mm-hmm. With comedy, especially when you're starting out, you're starting with five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So you have like a month of practice hours yep. hours of practice only to be utilized for those five minutes it's like sex yeah exactly <laughs> exactly five like sex five minutes is a lot actually in that case yeah oh, oh sorry to hear that well, you know. hey but you make it work 21 years you make it, that's right you make, <laughs> you make it, work. it work I didn't tell her I, yeah. honey this is <laughs> no, this is the best it's gonna be no I'm kidding are you the only one in, out of your siblings that went to performing uh my older brother did some theater and then he actually went to school for theater. He's actually he lives in Vermont, and he does um, the, like uh, in the stage union. So he d- builds sets and lighting and and all the theater stuff. So he's in the that union, but he's not performing. Mm. And uh, and he also is a fisherman. And then my younger brother. Hold on, he's a fisherman. He's a, he's one of that's, the top state fishermen in Vermont. So that's fascinating. He, it's possible that he took Bernie Sanders out on Lake Champlain to capture a largemouth bass. Wait, at Lake Champlain. Yeah, exactly. Vermont, man. We're Ooh. talking about Ben and Jerry's. Vermont, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is fish there, food. Isn't there like yeah. a like a like a like a monster uh, 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 story? Uh, Lake Champlain. Yeah. No, that's. I think that's more in uh, in uh, in Scotland at the Loch Ness monster. Well, I'm I'm familiar with Loch Ness, but I, in, maybe in Champlain, Champlain. Maybe there is. I don't know. There's. Oh. Um, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. people from Maine. Um, I don't know. There's a, a lot of Subaru owners <laughs> from over Maine. there. Yeah. Well, kidding. you know what. Uh, what's his name? Stephen King mentions Stephen Maine King. a lot. That's Bang, Bangor, Maine is yeah. up there. So, so uh, Freddie and Jason probably. 
could appear at, in that yeah. lake. But no, you get we we went bass fishing. I what took what kind of fisherman is he? A good one. No, the uh, so he's a bass and and all sorts of just yeah fly fisherman all that. So he takes people out and and teaches them and give tours give them tours. I think it's bassfishingvermont.com. That's fascinating. And you Matt he, Applebaum. And yeah, he, and he's one of the top. Yeah, or the oh, yeah, top. Yeah, he was the top in the state, and then he's one of the top guys in the state. So he's a, a Jewish redneck. And, and then he works in stages. Yeah. In the nighttime. Yeah, during the, the productions and stuff. Yeah. You have a cool brother, man. He's cool. That's cool. Fisherman by day, stage by, by night. night. And, then, and my younger brother is lives in Maryland, and and um, he does uh, works for a company that does uh, medical aggregation, medical supply stuff, and he's wonderful, wonderful dad. And, and a but, but great brother. No, yeah. no performing. Uh, no, we all perform. He played. He played the string bass in the um, orchestra. So I sang, did theater in high school. He played the string bass, and I remember I, I would go pick him up, and I'm thinking, I had this giant instrument that was as big as him. I'm like, why couldn't my brother play the violin or something? You know, but <laughs> yeah. or, or the flute. Yeah. But, but no, he played the the bass. Uh, was he into jazz as well? Oh uh, yeah, with the bass. Bit, my dad's very much into jazz. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, all sorts of music. Oh, we had a great uh, Long Island, New York in general. The music program and the arts are really well developed. You're so close yeah. to obviously Broadway in the city and theater and just so many. Uh, actually, Adina Menzel, the the Broadway, right? Uh, you know, from from uh, Wicked and all that. She mm -hmm. was a year behind my brother from our high school, so she went there. And uh, who else went there? Um, to my high school is um, Natalie Portman went to my high school about four, 14 years after me the actress and um, just a lot of talent out of there yeah it's just you know New York it has that yeah. rich history of entertainment yeah you know what I'm saying I'm not gonna and, and New Yorkers it, will not argue uh, against that <laughs> and, and, and it's fascinating that you sang as well yeah you, I still you, you were in musical theater yeah so were you like a, a, a theater uh, a, Nerd, as, as they would call them. I wasn't gay. Them? Is that what you said? No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, maybe you might be. I don't know. Why not? No, I'm joking. We can all use the same bathroom. No, Let's, we could talk about that later. No, uh, that was a total joke. No, I, I just enjoy theater. <laughs> um, I still do a theater show, so I have a. We, I'm part of a Rat Pack show, and and um, explain to me the Rat Pack. Rat show. Pack. So Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., and Joey Bishop. So that was the. Who do you play? Uh, I play Sammy. Sammy Davis. No, I'm, I'm too oh, tall. You're too oh, tall. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, no, I play Joey Bishop, who was the comedian. Uh, yeah. So thanks to, to my buddy Mickey Joseph, another great comic in the area, who who uh, helped me get the gig, and then I worked with. Was cast by Sandy Hackett, who's Buddy Hackett's son, and then uh, we did a stage show here that was based out of Vegas, and then we traveled around, and now I have a group here that I work with quite frequently, and it's a very popular show. We're doing uh, we do them at the San Jose Improv also, mm -hmm. or at different. Location, so I, I, we got we do a couple of holiday shows uh, in December. December 11th will be at the San Jose Improv in the afternoon, and then at Angelica's in Redwood City in the evening. That this year, and there'll be other shows in between. But it's a great show. You bring back the music and the characters and all the interaction that you know the Rat Pack. These guys had class and style on stage, and they were they were, were filming Ocean's Eleven in Las Vegas in the early 60s and then at night they would go and just party all night and drink and get on stage and sing and dance and do all sorts of stuff and all very talented guys you don't see that kind of, I mean it's like losing Prince right a, a true talented talented art, you know, artist that just passed away yesterday nice. so well that's actually a subject a notion I want to bring up with you because uh, when I heard of you Jeff Applebaum mm -hmm. stand up comic Correct. Now that I'm talking to you, and now that I'm digging through of, of you, yeah. you're well-versed in multiple talents. 
you know, and in some ways, in these clearly days, acting. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of have to yeah. these days to give yourself the the edge, the extra edge, yeah, and to also utilize different tools you develop in different fields. Absolutely. Like for example, the, the singing. You start with singing in theater, yeah, right? When did you transition to stand up? Well, I wasn't so much. I, I started. I mean, I, I sing, and I, I used to sing all county, and went out for all state in New York. So, but I don't position myself as a singer, right? But I sing. I love singing. There's something. There was always something that was peaceful about singing with a group of people and the sounds and the the girls. But um, so, comedy and the, the 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 bug, if you will, was always in there. And I always used humor as a communication vehicle or communication mechanism, if you will. To me, humor is something that tears down walls and allows people to start having a real conversation, right? Humor is... Right, smiling. Yeah, it's also the doorway to power, think about it. Yeah. Uh, One time... Kim Jong-un, very, very funny guy. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant by that was like one time uh, we had in high school, we had a substitute teacher. Don't remember what happened, but I cracked a joke that made Mm -hmm. made her laugh at least. And she says, that's very good that you could do that. They can make people laugh. Now get to the, get to that, the principal O'Shag Hennessy's office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right after she told me hey, that, hey, Ron, that, yeah. that, you know, the fact that you can make someone feel comfortable that's and right. humor yeah. works great in all environments, in business, and so on. Bingo. So, yeah. It, so, it, it is. And, and, and you use that for communication in a sense of, like, mm-hmm. first, in your adolescence, you're like, all right, don't beat me up. Here's a joke. Right. But now, as you grew up... Oh, How girls. are you using it? Oh, for girls? Uh, for picking up women? Well, there's, there's only one. Only one right now for a long time, and that's it. We're done. Uh, but no, there's still... Um, uh, humor is, is also, you know, laughter, a smile, and and uh, music are kind of universal languages, right? So people hear music, music spans the globe. And smiling, you know, people will be more relaxed. And I, I like languages, too, so I, I like to learn a little bit about how to speak in many different languages. And when you meet people and you could say something correct, like my wife's Chinese, and learning Chinese, is that, that's, a, that's a hard one. That's because tough. The sounds are so subtle. And what part of China is she from? Um, she's from Taiwan, but her family's originally from China. So and, she, and, she speaks Mandarin. And, and the Taiwan itself have a different dialect. Yeah, yeah this every, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could you could tell where somebody comes from. Like here, right? You hear somebody, uh, you could tell people from the South or from the Midwest or from Bay, Bay Area, more generic. But New Yorkers definitely, you're from New York? Yes, I knew it. I wasn't trying to hide it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? And so we're proud about it. But you, you could tell. So there's different sounds and thoughts. But when, when somebody's not from where they're from and they meet or connect with something that reminds them of home, that's a... a comforting feeling it's I'm looking I'm looking to grasp onto something that's familiar and people who are friendly or or who know me people I remember the the TV show Cheers in the song itself people want to go where everybody knows your name mm-hmm. right so the more you can make people feel comfortable and if you think about it who are the comics that we tend to like or your shows that it's it's all about comedies is more a communication process than oh I wrote a great joke but it's it's have you connected with the audience found common ground uh so so when you connect with the audience i mean you've watched shows you've been on shows you perform you, you perform very well right and you and you watch and you go who are the guys that i like or the women that i like in just moments when i see them on stage something about them that makes you feel like this person's just like me or i know this person right yeah you know, or, or if there's some way you describe or start talking about a scenario that they're familiar with they feel connected to that. The boundaries that you could push or talk about things go get pushed much further out. 
And if you don't connect with an audience, we've all had that experience where it's almost very tight and you almost feel very uncomfortable. The boundaries by which you could shrink, right? And I always say, when you're connected, an hour goes by in five minutes. When you're not connected, five minutes feels like an hour, mm-hmm. right? And we've, we've had those You've experiences. Been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's all part of either starting out or, like I said, it really just comes down to confidence and attitude and just feeling comfortable with, I mean, that, that, look at how that plays out in everything, in the elections, right? I mean, you, you think about confidence, almost even in comedy, trumps, no pun intended, uh, Confidence trumps good material often, or, or you'll think of somebody who's screaming and yelling and loud, and the audience will be like, alert. Well, is the material really good deep down under that? No. But there's something about this person's attitude or, or even arrogance that is, I, I, I want to say, attractive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that draws you in. What draws you in about some of these candidates? What repels you from some of these candidates, right? I mean, it's funny. It's like when, when, uh, when Hillary said... Uh, was speaking in New York and she said, oh, it's good to be home. I'm like, oh, my blood curdle. I'm like, this ain't your home. I said, you're not from here. You didn't grow up here. I don't mind that you're not, you lived here, but you're not a New Yorker. You, you got that with that Midwestern accent, nothing wrong with that, but don't be like, it's good to be home with my, no, that's, this ain't your people. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> this ain't your tribe. You know, Bernie, Bernie goes, I was born right here in Brooklyn, New York. You know I mean? And it's, it's, I, I'm not crazy about any of them. I'm thinking maybe we'll write in Jimmy Fallon or something, you know. Right. Or, hey. or, or who knows, or, 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 or what was it? Uh, we'll find somebody. Okay. Fascinating. Uh, however, back to what I'm trying to uh, I open here, though. Yeah. Is that uh, you start, what's what's the first thing you start? You mentioned a singer. You wanted to sing first? Mm. Was that the first thing you were? No, no, singing was also something I always did through, you know, junior high school, elementary high school, junior high school, college, etc. It was it was just a, a performance arts. I you had no them. aspirations to become a professional singer? No, and I don't know if I have... A, I'm a very hard worker. I could develop a much better uh, instrument. My voice. Singing is hard. I sing, I, play, I play guitar and sing. You play, so you understand. It's hard. It's hard. I'm awful at it. Like it takes hours. Like I watch other singers. Yes. And how they do their scales with their with their voices yes. and stuff. It's like oh my god, I I don't have the time for that. But, it, uh, but there's some I love singing with groups and and it's funny for comedians when we're on stage, uh, singers on stage. The audience wants to hear something they've heard before. For mm-hmm. comedians, you're on stage, they want to hear something totally new. It's right. like, do that one. No, you don't hear that with comedy. Do something new, damn it. So so I, I'm not as passionate about you know getting up and singing. We all love to do that. But the art of bringing a group of people together and, and finding humor and pointing out things that are quick and, and you know clever sometimes, but just fun and pulls people together to me I'm much more passionate about that the comedy yes the, and, new, and, the, the and, New York Jewish comedy scene yeah, where it's more wit fast kind of or anyway yeah I mean that's just my that's who I am I can't hide that I don't try to hide that but it's right. um, it's uh, that's the piece that was always more attractive to me and still is I'm, curi- I, I'm curious yeah. I gotta ask yeah you being a Jewish comic from New York I'm a comedian who happens to be Jewish, but I'm and, and I'm not a Jewish comedian. Meaning, mm-hmm. I don't just perform for Jewish audiences. Well, and my material is not strictly Jewish, but right. the essence of my Jewishness is is imbued in my material. Pretty much, yeah. New York has a history of stand-up comedy being used in jazz clubs and strip clubs. Absolutely. Have you performed in in jazz oh, clubs? I'm 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 getting the wrong gigs in. Yeah, <laughs> I have actually in San Francisco. I've been oh wow! Jazz, I, I, I do with a lot of uh, jazz musicians I met. Which venue? Gigs. Um, let's see. I've done stuff at the, what's now is it the Raz Room now or, or now it's called Michael 
Michael Feinstein's, I think. Feinstein's, yeah. Feinstein's, and then uh, some of the um, Yoshi's, I think one of the ones in, in Oakland. Yeah, yeah, that's there's a good also one. one in San Francisco too. Yeah, and Rosella. San Jose, was, we just yeah. got our one. Oh, you got one, Stritch Cafe, Stritch. Yeah, yeah, uh, heard about uh, that. Uh, yeah, and also Angelica's does a lot of jazz too in Redwood City. Really? Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, a lot of jazz, a lot of great Tito Puente plays. No, is Tito Puente or uh, um, Pete Escovito? Hmm. Pete Escovito. And your father, he was a jazz man. No, he loves jazz. He he wasn't a musician. He no, didn't play, but he, but loves, he jazz. loves jazz. What, what kind of jazz were you exposed to? It? Uh, Monk. Oh yeah. You know, and and uh, classic. Class, I mean, Herbie Hancock, all that kind of stuff. But just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Ramsey Lewis, also, you know. Mm-hmm. Miles Davis, I'm sure. Miles, yep. Miles I'm Davis. Sure, uh, Dave Brubeck. Sure, I mean, but more some of the older classic stuff. And Mangione was even newer, Mangione. you know. But, yeah. but, uh, Chet Baker stuff? Uh, Bird. Bird, yeah. More Bird, Charlie Bird. Yeah. More Bird, yep. Charlie Bird. And he, he went, they went to, I think he and my mother's one of their first dates was at Birdland, I think, in New York right. City. When did Birdland close down? Um, was that in the 80s? Why don't we look it up? <laughs> we can. We have that power in our <laughs> cell phones. <laughs> hey, Google. But, when did, but I, figure, I figure you grew up. But, that I, was, time. but like, I wasn't like, I, I actually, believe it or not, um, for me, jazz was good, but I, I actually embraced the hip hop scene much more. Ah, uh, that's a Brooklyn site. Yeah. I mean, just, just uh, I mean, R&B was more of it. You know, Motown R&B were really the kind of music that I, I enjoyed hip hop. You know, the whole gangster rap scene came more after I was, an adult I mean the beats of course I like but some of the words are you know, a little different but some of the beats are, are dope but like uh, I grew up with Young MC was one of my best friends second through fifth grade we were in class together you know Bust a Move mm-hmm. so so and all those like queens like Run DMC and, and Cool J and all those guys lived right you know very close to where I grew up so I remember when I met Cool J I'm like hey man I was I was mugged on every street you rap about and he thought that was funny I'm like no I'm serious I'm like I got chased on Farmer's Boulevard you know and um it, it seems like you grew up with a, quite a mixed uh, yeah. bag of people yeah. who are now in the entertainment business this, yeah have you ever felt like that, that's a bit of pressure on you in no, some way no because I my my background is actually engineering believe it or not so I, I worked at study tech and then uh, oh, wait let's go into that one actually yeah it's different so you went to school for engineer yeah electrical engineering where and what where so I studied at MIT MIT yeah hey. so yeah so I uh, worked hard through school was near the top of my class and, and um, got in there went to undergraduate and graduate in uh, electrical how, engineering how was that experience intense man yeah so that's that's why I always like to be challenged it's like if I'm not working all the time something seems wrong and I know that's that's good and bad well I mean, how, did, how did a kid who's into musical theater comedy uh, yeah. went to school for lecture engineering was that like a choice you've made yeah yeah no I was I was always a tinkerer so I always enjoyed science and math and I always would build things and build like you know radios and stuff at the house and my mother planted a seed. She had a cousin who went to MIT. She goes, "Oh, he's you should go there." I'm like, "What is that?" And then uh, over time, I realized, "Oh, oh, it's pretty well known. It's a pretty good place to go." So that thought, when I was probably, I don't know, nine or ten, got in my head, and then I guess that subconscious started getting to work on it. And I, I was just man. And then when I got in, I'm like, "I'm going." So how do you balance the the dichotomy of like? Entertainment, yeah, yeah. 
and now you know uh, serious yeah. work yeah um I don't sleep <laughs> <laughs> and I got my family and, and a lot of stuff so so uh I don't know I, I find I'm interested in a lot of things now sometimes you, you people call it uh, multitasking which is good and bad you know sometimes it's I find you're very effective when you're laser focused on one thing but you almost have to live in like like Dale Carnegie always said in his book uh, a couple of his books you know live in day tight compartments where if I'm here now right now mm-hmm. I got to give you my whole mind right we're here together we, you and me have one yeah. process going on and I'm focused with you we're right. talking about stuff when I leave I go back to something else I got to focus on that and then that can be exhausting but it's 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 a good thing too right but I just I, I, I find life to be very interesting and fascinating and I love to be able to relate to the most number of people genuinely not like making stuff up but I don't do it to impress people I don't do it to act Jamaican and say I have 12 jobs you know <laughs> I completely understand dude yeah I, I really do just uh, life is life is you, you know. when you're done a long time from now God willing you want to say Okay, man. We 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 use what you gave us to the fullest, and then some. Yeah, I, I totally hear you out, man. Like I'm busy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with so many stuff. Film student. I do music, poetry, stand up. Yeah. Podcasting. I got so many things that where people ask, "How do you do it?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, so, "How do you do?" It? I was like, like, "You know, yeah. what? I don't even think about it." Like, that's right. It's what w- makes w- you w- happy. It wasn't until you slowed me down and made me think about it. I was like, that's "You know what? Exactly. I'm doing quite a lot." And for me, like that feeling is like, "All right, I got one thing. I'm done with this. What's next ta- yeah. task?" And that task and this That's task. That's right. And, and you got to prioritize. And sometimes you end up in a circle <laughs> where none of the tasks got done. No, it's a time, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to prioritize, right? You got to, yeah. okay, I, I have my family. I got to make sure I'm paying my bills and take care of my family and that my wife's happy and that the kids have food and clothing and that has to come first. And once that's in place, then, then you, uh, you know, you branch out and, and uh, it's a constant reprioritization. But, but you know then you're around people sometimes they'll say oh man you're working too hard you need a vacation and and genuinely that's probably true and they care because you know you don't want to burn out and snap and you know go crazy but when you're around people that are saying oh hey George man slow down you're working too hard get away from those people because yeah. they don't understand the drive you have right and you're trying to do something or you see something or maybe you're just spinning in circles like me at times right yeah. it's it's about um, it's, it's when you're around people that say that very often they're folks who are not pushing themselves to what their potential may be or there's things they want to do or maybe they'd love to get on stage but they're too afraid or maybe they're just lazy or maybe they truly care and they're trying to help most times people are really just wanting help but there's something inside of you that drives you that drives me that that nobody else knows Hmm. maybe other people do you find some people but but you just feel something that drives you to do what you do and you always re reevaluate your purpose and why am I here? You know, what makes you happy? Well, you know, when people are laughing and smiling and I had something to do with that, I feel good. I feel like they leave. Hey, man, thanks for giving us a great evening, great afternoon. Man, that's, I say, okay, God, thank you. You gave me a purpose to be here and make a difference today. That makes me happy. I think that's the biggest thing you, you touched upon is purpose. It's feeling productive. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing right. uh, for your self-esteem especially. Yeah. Is feeling productive. Absolutely. You know, maybe you were productive, but if you have that feeling, yeah, you know, carry it on to the next day and hopefully actors. change it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I hear. I, I get, when people ask, you, ask me for advice, yeah, I get nervous because with comics, it's like, dude, if I give you advice in comedy, I'm telling you how to be funny for me. Yeah. I, just do your thing, you know? Exactly. 
and I, I get nervous, you know. So some communities take it easy. Some, oh yeah, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Which so sometimes are technicalities, which is true. But for the most part, you know, like you say, we each have a different candor to the way yeah, we do our comedy. That's right. So I don't know. I, I just thought. And, and I, I try not to. I mean, I, I enjoy all comedians. Well, most of them. No, but I just try to try to find something because I know my my style and stuff is not not for everybody either, probably. And and I don't give advice unless people ask right you know because you know there's a lot of sensitive egos in performance and theater and all that stuff and you just yeah you know and like you said if i don't know what that person's goal is and the thing is that do you find it funny or if they have an input that somebody you respect you oh man you're right that's a good point that makes sense or Mm -hmm. and is that what brought you over to silicon valley was the i uh, teched it yeah i I mean when, when i finished school it was uh this is the place to go if you're in you know high tech industry and it's still it still is that today yeah how, how disappointed were you when you came came to the airport and you realized that Silicon Valley is not what people talk about uh, no it was I mean it was it was definitely a, di- a cultural shift coming from living on the east coast I was more recently in Boston before I came here and it was a long time ago but like people were uh, People definitely like their distance between you and them when you spoke to them. Where in New York and back east, yeah. everybody's very close in your face. Like, hey, hey, and the people would extend their arms and like push me back. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Or I'd be just excited about stuff. Hey, let's, and like, let's drive, let's go do it. Dude, just slow down, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I remember starting at work and people were like punching the clock at five o'clock. I'm like, but we're not done. We're working on one. I will do it tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I wasn't. Yeah. I'm like, man, why? aren't you excited about what you do and then I go I gotta I gotta create an environment or be in an environment where you know yeah it's gonna be stressful at times but but uh, if I'm not out of my comfort zone often I'm not really growing yeah you know that's that's a good notion you also yeah. put on is not feeling comfortable yeah no like, I'm rarely comfortable I, I've always told people the minute any creative person is comfortable they're fucked no, exactly. in my opinion yeah because what? why else are you, are you, do you want to create if you're already happy with, with what you got yeah you know what I'm saying like for me like people always always like especially my gal she goes why are you so hard on yourself it's like well I have to I can't be happy yeah. the minute I'm happy it's like I, I don't want to do anything else I just want to sit back relax have a beer watch TV exactly I don't want to be that fucking guy yeah or am I going too much? I don't no, know. No, absolutely. You're right. And and, and uh yeah. No, and, and, and like I said, people all people mean well. They want to they want to uh, you know, watch out for you and, and, and granted I, I need to stop and listen at times and I do need to, I love sitting and you know, chilling with my kids and maybe watching a movie and just hanging and chilling with them. My son likes to play video games, I'm not very good at them, but I'll I'll take him to GameStop. And man, this this is boys and girls and men and women in that store. Yeah, I'm amazed. You have some serious, serious. I won't use the word nerds because it's almost like a, a new breed of this this gaming type. That's just and man, they spend money in that place, boy. Yeah. And, they, and they know you see these men and women. That's these big gaming conferences now. That, that's a multi-billion dollar industry. Man, like, it is multi. I didn't realize until I moved in with gamers when yeah. I went to college over there, and. I didn't realize that they had the world tournaments that and that yeah. commentators like ESPN. Yeah. And I was like, what? You guys have commentators? Like, exactly. what? You got people showing up and watch people play a video game on a big screen? Is that a thing? And yeah, sure you're enough. Like, wow, you're like celebrities and like, yeah. My kid does this Kandama thing. This uh, like this Japanese game. It's, it's it's an old toy, but now they got these Kandama stars. You see these like 25, 26 year old uh, guys. You know what the 
the with the the, the flannel shirt and the beards and the and and they got a bunch of eight nine year old kids crowded around him like you know the Pied Piper. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> so you're here in Silicon Valley. You came I'm here. here yeah. You're working in tech. Yeah. But your family's back in New York. Uh no, my my folks actually had moved out here about 18 years ago. So my parents, my dad now, is here, and my my brothers and I both my brothers are back east, and I got some cousins in New York and out back east somewhere. But no. But most of uh, my wife and her family are here, so. And for the most part, they're supportive. When you said I want to do comedy. Oh sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was more about um, what I appreciated about my folks is that they're always supportive of what I did because, unless it was like you know I'm going to go into bank robbery now. Oh okay, cool. No. But uh, <laughs> just no, do they, the best they, you can in and, that one. And they love. I mean, I I do shows and the Rat Pack shows, and they love coming to the shows and family and, and seeing stuff but no I, I've always I've, I've been very fortunate to have family and people that are been supportive and encouraged encouraging and it's about it's it's not about just working to be good at one thing but you could be good at several things you know and you'd probably be good at great at one thing but um, you know I'm always trying to push the limits and now, hopefully not burning out now they say that for a creative person to 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 get better uh, exponentially mm -hmm. is when they start having kids. Mm. Did you feel like there was a shift in the way you worked your your craft once you started having kids? I think it got worse. No, no, <laughs> yeah, he's tired. But um, well, I, I think it's it's like when 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 your children are born, or you know, when my mother passed, you you see the beginning and the end of life in that case, if you will. You realize that. Wow, you are you are mortal, which we all knew anyway. But you, this will at some point end here, whatever it is. Um, but in your children, it's you have this uh, incredible feeling. You don't have any children yet, right? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not really planning. But I uh, said yet. I want to say yet. So if your girlfriend's listening, she's like, "See, he knows." No, no, we're on the same page. Actually, okay, yeah, we're good. <laughs> you're good. The um, you 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 see, man, your goal is to make the have those kids be the best they can be and be better than you, right? And and um, it opens up from comedy, you know, it's like, oh man, your, your career's over. People say, oh, you'll get married, your career's over. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to fit into some mold. I'm like, this is who I am, this is what my life is. All I could do is just talk about what's real to me, as opposed to try to, I mean, certainly write observational jokes and humor and stuff that's gonna relate to everybody, but I found just talking about what's real to me in life and with kids and struggles and stuff is what's real to the audience, mm -hmm. right? Most of your audience, a lot of your audience members have kids or were one, you know, you know? Right. So, so the, uh, you know, uh, when you listen to like ethnic comics, so, so you, you know, when you hear an Italian comic, black comic, you know, Greek comic, they start talking about their families, we go, oh, we have that in common, right? Latino comics, you know, and, and, um, I know it's Latino and not Hispanic, according to Trump. But um, you know, so with kids, for me, it was it's it's wonderful. I mean, I love talking about my kids, and they they shape the world. I, I get to see now, watch them grow up, and see the world through their eyes, and and that's that's a fun thing to do. Now, as before, you've mentioned that you you've done a variety of things. Yeah, um, and you saying that you do you meaning. Your performance is yourself. It's yeah. your, it's your personality. Yeah. But I, maybe you get when I tell you that in theater, 
Yeah. We all have these masks we put on when we perform. Right. Well, you know, I, I know I have a mask when I'm doing comedy. I know I have a mask when I do music. I know I have a mask when I'm writing or filmmaking. Uh, how much... Yeah, take that mask off right now. Uh, I was wondering <laughs> about that stocking the whole time. I have a mask when I'm podcasting. <laughs> but how much do you feel... You you have a core of yourself ingrained in this d- different mask that you use. Um, I mean, when, when we're in the Rat Pack show, obviously I'm playing a character, so you gotta do your best to stay in character. And you know, a cranky old Jew was Joey Bishop, so like it, it's it's easy, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it's part of who I am. I'm not that cranky, honestly. But um, you know, the, you're not sitting there. Are you truly having a conversation with the audience? Well, yes and no, right? So, am I wearing a mask? Um, I, there's times when you are, if you, you do certain gigs or certain corporate gigs or things that you're asked to do that you're, you're playing, a, you're keeping a certain voice for an organization. But for the most part, I find the more that you could uh, either take keep the mask off or have the right mask and have the right um, filter, maybe is the right word. Mm. Because obviously there's certain things I, I, I will and won't say if I'm doing a corporate gig right? Uh, that just they ask you not to say or there's some there's always some HR compliance issues they have to respect. And I totally, hey, you know what, people are, well, the heck with that. I'm like, yeah, hey, man, then don't do those gigs. Right. Right? Then then don't yeah. make that money that's there. And yeah. people, no, I, I, I'd like to, I need to, and I want to. I've had my share of those battles with comedians. Yeah. My room uh, for Scotty, it's not a blue room. Yeah. It's a family room. Yeah. So I have a certain expectation for comedians. Well, and screw you. No, no, you know what? I don't believe in that. If you yeah. say, hey, man, please don't. And I don't. I actually don't use profanity in my act anyway because I, I never learned those words in New York. Do you just, consider yourself just a, a clean comic? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't use profanity and I'm not talking about... Um, my very unimpressive body parts or, right. you know, okay. or or how they work or no yeah for the most part I work clean but I'm not talking about like uh, I'm not doing children's jokes and you know and uh, knock knock jokes I'm talking about stuff I hope that that shows some emotion and I think when people see emotion um, that's fine but I, I could I'll do corporate stuff I could do stuff for kids or families and also still remaining myself for the most part and I I happy I get to do that and there's times you just want to get on stage and curse and, and if you think about a guy like Carlin you know when I, I, I teach a class to these uh, to what's called the uh, road scholar it used to be the elder hostel and I ask this question I say um, how many of you prefer clean comedy you know when I say that because you know older generation in general they like that and, and the kind of filtering that happened through television I mean you heard nothing today if you turned on a TV set of what we see today back in the 50s or 60s, man, my God, were, oh my God. I mean, even in the 70s were the things that people say. And I said, how many of you like clean comedy? And I, I'm kind of baiting the audience and they raise their hand. I go, keep your hands up if you like Carlin. And most of the hands will stay up. And I go, well, you bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> how can you say you like clean comedy? And it goes, Carlin used profanity all the time. I go, I know, I know, I know. It's different. Carlin was a master wordsmither, and everything, every line, word, joke he had, he, he just spent hours just to wordsmith it. If he's communicating as you or I would communicate as we're expressing an emotion and say, damn it, crap, shit, whatever, that's how we live. Nobody's going to question you and go, oh, I can't believe he just said the bad word. No, that's how he used words. If you're getting on stage and you're, you know, a new comic 
and you see somebody f f f f f f f s s s s or just saying words almost almost like profanity is bridging the gap between the synapses as the thoughts are jumping around in their mind then the audience goes come on man stop or if you're describing uh a graphic sexual act it's like come on man no we we get it you don't need to that's disgusting especially how you do it you know but but um that's where I'll talk as an adult, I'll say things, but I, I won't necessarily use that kind of uh, language and it makes me just work. I, I'm just thinking, you know, how do I describe the same thought or emotion without using profanity? But well, but I'm not like holier than thou. That's not yeah, my point ever. Yeah. Or I, I love comics that anything comes out of my mouth that I find funny. Well, I feel they, they got to be smart about it, you know? I try. Uh, yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about you specifically. Oh, thanks. But, but, but in general, <laughs> like even if comics go dirty, yeah, Be smart about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, there's, uh, no, there's no, I don't. You know, it, it, it's it's something I tell them. It's like, hey, I'm not telling you to to to, to tone down the yeah. content of what you're talking about. Just you know, yeah. challenge yourself. The rape to, and the pedophile joke and your your, your roommate <laughs> doing weed. We've heard twelve of those so far on the show. And, and uh, there's and, a family with two five year olds here. Yeah, and, and the biggest. Guy they throw out there like the, these comics that are going for like free speech bullshit is like oh you know look at Lenny Bruce it's like no don't compare yourself to Lenny Bruce don't do that it's a different time different and, and, time and Lenny you, Bruce you, was a genius way ahead of his time yeah if you listen to Lenny Bruce's stuff even the dirty stuff yeah it was it's good it was intelligent. it's smart exactly. it's intelligent and you yeah. can look at Lenny Bruce's background you know he he grew up in that environment exactly of performing he knew his shit yeah and top of that. No comic hears and get arrested for what they say. You might get a boo. Yeah, for you, you might talking get about your clothes. dick. You know, it's like, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're, Lenny Bruce suffered more than you could ever fucking imagine. Exactly. So don't do not do that. Uh, but I, I think in general, I, especially in stand-up, it's like, I feel anything's good to go. You just got to know what environment you're in. Exactly. The audience. And, and be smart about your material. Exactly. You know, and, it, and, I, and I get it. It takes time to work the craft. It takes time. You know, so, you know, like uh, sometimes you have to do horrible shit to get a gem. You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I say some stupid shit, but I learn. It's like, all right, that doesn't work, but this will work, and I get a gem that's clean. Right. You know, like uh, you're talking and, about the time you slept with the homeless uh, guy just to get this set at. Okay. Exactly. Okay. But I got a great joke out of socks <laughs> out of that one. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. You know. Um. Anyway, great points, Jeff. I just met you. I'm digging you. I feel, I feel yeah. like we got some airwaves going. Dude, dude, going dude we're, we're in sync, yeah. bro. Our heart is one. <laughs> no, if you don't mind, I want to get a bit on your Jewish roots. Uh, I find that yeah. I find history or, or, or ancestry. It's first, tonight's the first night of Passover, um, by the way. Is it? Yes, it is. Uh, and you mentioned that you come from Eastern Europe. Well, my yeah, my family, yeah. Well, did you know what yeah. area? Yeah, so my, my, my father's family came from Belarus. Belarus, so like... Belarus. Poland, Russia, around there, and the yeah, yeah, the, the border that, moved around quite a bit. That's the almost the Middle Eastern, almost. No, no, more no. Eastern, East, more Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, and uh, two eyebrows, not one. And uh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> hello, is this on? <laughs> okay, yeah. and then and then my mother's Belarus. family was from Lithuania, so there's a lot of so it's what's called Ashkenazi Jews, so so um, a lot of phlegm in the discussion. So my mother's first language was Yiddish, which is like yeah. a softer kindler gentler German mm-hmm. so you know you've heard a lot of words you like schmendrick chutzpah words like that you've heard in the in the language Yiddish mm-hmm. and and it, it, there's humor there's a there's a laughter as German is more harder humorless you know that kind of thing so okay. well, Yiddish would be sort of 
And there's a saying that, especially in that part of Europe, yeah. the, the, the Jewish community have gone through so much hardship. Sure. That there's a theory that hu- humor, that specifically Jewish humor, yeah. trickles down in yeah. some sense, influences. Sure. Um, what does we know today? as Jewish comedy sure. I guess in quotation yeah. marks I mean I mean, I mean uh, and, and that's and that's usually defined as looking uh, humor in tragedy exactly right so, uh, my so whole, dramatic my water bottle came. You, water, you knocked your water bottle <laughs> that's a tragedy my, my whole set is a tragedy if you no I'm kidding um, sure I mean humor a couple of things humor allows you to Again, a survival mechanism allows you to work through hardship, but you know that's not unique to the Jews. We just own misery. I'm kidding, but uh, but uh, you guys bought it out. That's right. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the Irish came over, the Italians, the Mexicans, uh, but we're going to build a wall to stop that. I believe. I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I'm getting I am nervous. Too. Are you supporting Trump? You, 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 you're mentioning quite a lot here in our I, session. I find it very entertaining. I, I feel like you're. Sub- I am taking my night classes at Trump University. Are you? <laughs> I'm getting a degree in, in bricklaying and masonry and guaranteed employment after I feel like graduation. you're somehow interjecting subliminal messages subliminal to my listeners. <laughs> That's Trump, the only way Trump, Trump does Trump, it. And then they, oh, when they, they, they get to the voting booth, they go, oh, I heard Trump so many times in my head by that one interview with Jeff Applebaum. Maybe it was, I better vote for Trump. No, it's uh, Cruz, I, I can't stand it. ABC, anything but Cruz. But the, uh, um, yeah, he's interesting. It's because he's Canadian. Is really what it comes down to. But I don't Who's, want to uh, do that guy. <laughs> it just, it's just like that. Just, just something about him. I just, you just can't like a New well, York values. He's, he's, he's. He lost me at hello. You know, you know. He, he, thinks he is deceitful. Right. So now he's, he's of Cuban descent. So I have a lot of Cuban friends. <laughs> I don't see the correlation between deceitful. No, no, it's funny. Yeah, but, but like, I, I have a lot of Cuban <laughs> friends who, who don't appreciate him in any way whatsoever. But you know, he's just, it's just how he communicates and. The, Maybe because I'm a New York Jew and he's from Texas. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know, but uh, that's not the problem. I have a lot of friends in Texas. It's not. It's just. It's just something about him. Like they always show that he's the least liked guy. He looks it's like funny. A, he looks like a villain. I'm he you right he does. He really does. <laughs> he so, talks like so a villain. If, if the campaign doesn't work out, which it, it likely won't, uh, he's got a spot in a movie. And, and yeah. you know, and, 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 there you uh, go. You know, in in uh, Quentin Tarantino movie, possibly. Who knows in the next? I could totally see that. Actually, yeah, now so. I think about it. But but back to the Jews. It always comes back to that. Um, so humor was a survival mechanism again, not unique to the Jews. But and when a lot of people, a lot of immigrants came to the country, historically Jews were, I, I like to say, the escrow officers of many empires. Are like, hey, who wants to handle? Hey, give it to the Jews. They'll do the money. Let them handle the money and the finances. We go, oh, okay, and we became good at it. Now we were, now we run Wall Street and the media. It's unbelievable, and uh, that's why yeah, that's why you see me on TV every night. It's not see what happened. I don't run anything. Well, I'm more interested in your household. Do, do you feel like sure. the, in your household growing up? Oh yeah, you know, hearing from your grandparents or hearing from your parents. Or, yeah, very much so. Very much. Yeah. So. I mean, those values of uh, the community, and then, I mean, that's why I love going back to New York. I mean, my son. My son is in, living in New York City, and he he went to Jewish services uh, last year for Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And I said, Josh, my son, I said, what's the difference between the Jewish services in New York and the ones here in San Jose? He said, there's Jews. Yeah. I go, that's a great observation. Bingo. So, wait, wait. Yeah. Hello, is this on? You see what I... It should not just be for the 1%, but it should be for all people. You're pretty good and, at uh, impressions. Uh, how it's just, how it's, just, it's a cadence. It's a, it's, it's it's a cadence? It, no, that's just a... a 
that impression just, I mean, Bernie sounds like Jackie Mason. And <laughs> you know, Jackie Mason sounds like all Jews from Brooklyn. Yeah. Back in that era. And it's in my blood somewhere. So, uh, yeah, so no, very much in the house and just, there was just other Jews around. And, and um, it's just who you are. You know, yeah. you, you stay together. Even though I, I the na- we weren't in a Jewish neighborhood till we, there were more Jews out in Long Island when we moved yeah. there, but not. But you feel like that, that there was a good uh, diet of guilt tripping? Well, that's everybody. You had a lot of Catholics around too, so we all did. There's always guilt, no matter what. Even, yeah. even my wife's Asian culture, there's plenty of guilt. You know, you have you, Jews are like, you screwed up, you moron. I'm going to bother you for a week and a half. Asians like, you will shame generations to come. <laughs> you know, and my wife became Jewish. Oh really? So, yeah. Wow. So, we, so I have the only so, Jewish wife that doesn't talk. It's unbelievable. Did you, so did you mind if I ask? Did your parent? I mean, did your siblings marry Jewish or or, or Shiksa? Or Shiksa is a Shiksa is a good razor. For, no. Um, <laughs> yes, they did. So, uh, but we don't. My my brother's wife is black. So, oh. so okay. So yeah. you progressive uh, or reformed yeah. Jewish yeah, uh, background. We're basically the people that stand behind the Sanders in those images, you know. Right. <laughs> who, 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 what I'm trying to say because I know in some Jewish communities it's like they're very strict and who do, who who do you marry? Well, in every I mean, look yeah. at the Indians. Well, yeah, most you other would, cultures as well. You would <laughs> You could pass for Indian. I get that a lot around here. You, you, I, you, I really do, especially when you go up to Fremont. Well, well, no, when I go to Palo Alto, actually people think I'm like a venture capitalist. Like, hey, can you help me with this app, bro? I'm just working in the kitchens over here. Oh, he, not, he said that, not me, folks. <laughs> but, but go back to so your 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 uh, parents, you know, they didn't mind you marrying outside of no, the no. My my, it's not a, um, we we made a conscious choice to raise a family Jewish. I think it's easier, not easier, but uh, yeah, it's easier to be a Jew. Ninety nine percent, not a hundred percent of the world hate you. Very easy. No. Um, have one religion in the house, if you will, and it's it's a very important piece of uh, culture and history and background to me. And there's mm-hmm. such a richness of, of history and, and and achievements in there that I, I admire, respect, and appreciate being part of um, culturally, not not contributing anything on my own. That is, but uh, no. So they they were more interested in in us being good people, being a mensch. There's a Yiddish word, a good person, and doing good things. And and having good values and raising kids that are not spoiled or rotten or nasty and incredibly loving, accepting people uh, in in many ways okay. and in many other ways. You know, it's funny. I was people say you know the liberals are some of the most uh, biased people I know. You know, it's amazing how that works. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. I got two two subjects I want to cover yeah. before we, we we head out. Uh, first of all, uh, this might sound a little. Because because you you're so well versed in different things. I'm not versed in anything. But I want to get into your influences. But if you if, can you tell me an influence that you have that covers all bases for you? And with respect to like as far as like you know you, I'm sure you have comedy influences. I'm sure you have yeah. musical influences. I'm sure you have playwriting influences. Yeah. But do is there s- someone that you idolize that like the work ethic he has you put into all those different fields? Sure. Or she? Yes, right. No, I I think, um, I mean, a major influence would be my parents, really. I mean, honestly, in terms of, I think, of... um, You're the first comic to ever tell me that. Really? Yeah. I mean, my... You're such a sweet guy. No, I mean, my mother, who did pass away two years ago, was such, such, thank you, was such an incredible woman, and um, just loving and and how she uh, 
we always grew up and treated everybody the same. So it didn't matter if it was the person sweeping the floor or mopping the kitchen or or the CEO or the president or the guy who owned the, the restaurant. And to this day, I, I always felt uh, a connection with the, the laborer, if you will, or the, the, the person, class. the working class. And I can also communicate with the the the, the executive office. But, but to me, it's like human being is a human being. And I learned that from my my parents and I'll you know every office I work I know the whole night staff because I'm usually there working late and you know I'll speak to them in whatever language they speak I won't say Spanish okay just to have no but but um, so from that perspective of how they are as a person uh, that example of just loving and finding something to love and everybody and appreciate makes people feel valued and and I know how I feel when I feel unconditionally loved I could do anything and I try to give that to my children mm. right so so from that perspective that has been an influence of how I live my life in terms of work ethic um, I mean you see all sorts of you know entertainers and people in tech I mean I, I admire a lot of tech people I admire you know you, you look at at some of the you know you People looked at Bill Gates and, and these guys over the years and all that. But then, then well, he, how they, they, was everything ethical along the way? Who knows, right? When you look at a guy like, like uh, Wozniak and how cool that he has his hands in so many creative different things. I find those guys to be some of the, the, the people that are the, the business entrepreneurs that start different companies. I, I find I admire those guys. There, there are a lot of entertainers that work extremely hard and, and, or in a lot of most people have so I mean there's, there's a couple but I, I think more of, of the family values and then I was the first person who actually finished college or got to go to college and finish in my family so wow to my parents so for them how was know, that because I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first yeah this is my last semester yeah and it was uh, I felt very fortunate and, it, yeah. and my parents are very bright educated people went to school and, and very well read very up on issues and stuff and the fact that they didn't you know they didn't finish college doesn't matter so much even even today you know you look at um, you know does, does a pedigree or a degree mean a lot sure I mean it opens some doors in certain fields and you need that piece of piece of paper and it costs so damn much <laughs> um, but it's all about the environment really being around the environment and how you network when you're in the environment um, so this this people I met along the way, some professors that I had that I really admired, looked up to a lot, uh, some fraternity brothers that I looked up to a lot, um, some friends, you know, I have a best friend who runs the transplant center at Vanderbilt University, genius, and just work ethic, and I admire him, a lot of people, mm -hmm. folks that are just closer to me that, that, are, that are real, and uh, a lot of comics too that, that you see that are just working their tails off, that I admire as well, but life is life is a uh, many faceted, multifaceted. Sure is, but it's good to see somebody who really sees things are close to him, and th don't take it for granted. No, 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 no. Yeah. We we never had much, and everything I have, I feel blessed. I feel fortunate, and and um, don't take anything for granted. Can you get a, a little bit into your creative process when it comes yeah. to? 
the idea to on paper to on stage? Yeah, usually most of my ideas come to me while I'm driving, and so I'll have to write it down on paper, and then I can't read it later. Uh, of course, I pull over and I pull out a pen and I stop safely in traffic and never look at the phone while I'm driving. Um, yeah, ideas come to me while I'm watching things happen in life. And, and I, I remember Robin Williams used to say, you know, you see something and you go, what's funny about this? And usually you don't have to ask that question because you're just watching somebody drive around here or doing something stupid or, you know, watch people's behavior at the at, at the Carl's Jr. getting an extra one or 12 straws going in their bag. And you go, that's kind of interesting. Or I'm thinking now... I'm going, man. I'm 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 excited about this virtual reality thing coming out because right. I think, man, I'm I'm not going to go to Disneyland anymore. The tickets are like three hundred bucks. I'd rather go home. I'm, I'm going to go to virtual <laughs> Disneyland and I could avoid the four dollar churro and the well, the, maybe I can have one and the lines and the lines and the <laughs> calories. But I'm going to me. I'm going. There's something that's just starting to come. I mean, I think there's a joke seed in there or something funny about virtual reality is going to be great. I won't have to pay three hundred bucks to go to Disneyland anymore. You know, I can just stay home and. And all that, and I go, man, right? I mean, you think yeah. about it. How real can the experience be? Do I really love spending all day, in, you know, walking around with the kids complaining and getting a twelve dollar hot dog and shirt? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. But I love being with my family. So that's great. Yeah. All right, we hit the one hour mark, Jeff. Hey, man, it's, it's been, been it's been a pleasure having you. Here. This was five minutes, right? <laughs> this is where the hour went in five minutes. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Jorge Martin Sanchez. Is is there anything you'd like to uh, put out there? Yeah, thank you all for listening. Uh, Please go to jeffapplebaum.com. That's J-E-F-F-A-P-P-L-E-B-A-U-M as in Mary.com. If you have a chance to get to the San Jose Improv on Wednesday, April 27th, please join us. I'm doing a show called Jeff Applebaum and Friends because we are very creative in our show naming process. And uh, and, I'm there every couple of months with that show and, and other times. But all my schedule's on my website, and uh, a lot of great things. Let's all make a difference. We got a lot to laugh about. Laughter keeps us going. So God bless you. Jeff, thank you for coming. Thank you.